All right, welcome in. This is RJ Bell's Dream Preview, the college basketball edition. I am AJ Hoffman, joined as always by Griffin Warner. Griffin, how are you, man? I'm doing fine, AJ. You know, it was a pretty wild weekend of college hoops, I got to say. Um, we covered a lot of big games heading into Saturday, and uh, they did not disappoint. How about you? How are you doing? Uh, I am golden. This is, uh, I'm, I'm prepping for bowl season trying to figure out who's transferring who's not uh who's who's naughty and nice and all that and uh good day in the NFL as well so it's been a it's been a fun day and you and I had some some crossfire today on a college basketball game we did um I you came to me I I told you explicitly I was my side and then you picked against me anyway which you know hey if you think I suck just tell me I suck but uh, I, it, listen, yeah, I think you've learned your lesson now. Yeah, you have to. I, have. I only, uh, if I ever considered going against AJ before, I, I've now been taught by my Notre <laughs> Dame play today that uh, they truly could not defend you or I on the court, I think, if we were playing, uh, lacing them up today in South Bend. That was disappointing. I did get a, a, a premium pick out there, though, winner on Virginia Tech, so it wasn't all lost today. I was I wanted to play Virginia Tech, and I said, something's wrong with this line. And then the game happened. I was like, no, that's I guess that was uh, – that would have been good. Well, there was uh, so a I lot. Like a dummy. There's a lot more stress than uh, than I would like to admit. Um, a lot of missed layups, which I guess is maybe a thing Oklahoma State's defense will cause from time to time. But um, glad it got through to the window because there have been a lot of bad beats for me so far. I'm looking forward to uh, cleaner, fresher days without ending up on the SVP uh, Sports Center show. It's always nice when you, I, I'll tell you what I was there yesterday. Uh, Wake Forest minus one, mm. uh, just a twenty point blown lead. No big deal. It, it happens all the time, right? All the time. Oh yeah, yeah. We, were, we were actually cross firing in that one. So um, you know, I guess. Uh, oh, so see the the gods served you up that one. Like every, well, like, no, unfortunately, it's worse because I had LSU first half when they uh, <laughs> were abominable and then kj williams just took it all over in the second half and uh yeah i don't know i i i don't know i'm i'm at the drawing board right now looking forward to uh a change in in luck i've uh considered shaving my beard cutting my hair dyeing my hair i'm i'm trying to come up with some scenarios but i guess the, the world cup's been doing well so maybe i was gonna I'm, say whatever like, whatever's not working for you in hoops is working for you yeah. on the pitch all right, let's jump into this week's games. And I'll be honest, the card is ugly this week. Oh, yeah. oh, uh, there yeah. were there were three games that I, I – okay, these are good enough. These are worth talking about. The fourth game, um, it, it, it's a, a disgusting reach, but it's, the, it's probably the fourth best game uh, between now and Thursday. So – it, it made the card and we will talk about it briefly. We won't belabor any of these games because there's just not a lot of good games right now. Uh, it's the weird finals week, which has now turned into two finals weeks where half, half the schools do it one week, half do it the next, but apparently it's just impossible to schedule any good games in that stretch of time. So um, there we are. And we're we're stuck with what we got. So true, true student athletes, you know, they they don't make money in their uh, profession anymore. They're just taking math tests, and you know, there's a good reason to have two finals weeks. I don't know, it's driving me crazy. 
<laughs> All right, let's jump into it and let's start with Arizona State versus Creighton. That's happening out here in Las Vegas. Uh, part of a, it's I don't even know I don't know what a, what the event is exactly, but they've just got random teams coming out here to play some ball at the uh, the Mick Ultra Arena there at Mandalay. Arizona State Creighton the first game and then New Mexico San Francisco the second game and in hindsight we probably should have put New Mexico uh, San Francisco on the rundown instead of what we did but that's a a live and learn thing Uh, but I'll start because I bet on Creighton yesterday and was feeling good and then just before tip it was announced that Ryan Kalkbrenner wasn't going to play and I instantly hated the bet that I had hated it and I was uh and I had a first half bet too so I I was instantly felt like I could rip up that ticket throw it in the trash and sure enough uh I could have because they they did not cover they did not win against a BYU team that I think is just bad they didn't look themselves at all they called it a non-COVID illness I have no idea what that means as far as his availability two days later, but I certainly don't love it. Uh, they got absolutely hammered on the glass, which, again, I don't think that happens if Ryan Kalkbrenner's out there, but it happened. So it, it, it's just a – right now, until I know more, I can't back Creighton with real dollars. Uh And that's coming off three straight losses. Arizona and at Texas, okay, those are reasonable losses. But then you'd lose by double digits at home against Corn, which there's just something not right right now. And then meanwhile, Arizona State's choosing to play without Marcus Bagley, I mean, without their most talented player. And it appears to be addition by subtraction. The offense is more balanced. They just seem to play smarter basketball, which I guess is – that happens when you replace a sophomore with a senior, but it's still impressive. The problem is revisiting their schedule. They haven't done much, and this is going to be their toughest game yet, even if Cockrenner doesn't play. But until I see Creighton back to themselves, I'm not backing them, particularly out here in Vegas, where I'm going to guess the, the crowd support is certainly uh, leaning towards Arizona State. So it's it's dog or pass for me here. What do you think? Um, so there's a lot to unpack there. Um, I'm glad that soliloquy has shifted to, to my side, but I, I'm curious why you're so certain that Arizona State is going to have a lot more fans. Because I, I got to say, I feel like it's a really huge part of these neutral court games is trying to handicap what the crowd's going to be. And I will admit, uh, my best bet on Saturday was Arizona. Um, not for this podcast, uh, for I guess what, the pregame side of things. Um, behind the paywall and I gotta say I was very surprised that there was not an a U of a dominance there it was um, I believe Gus Johnson called it an Indiana home game and I was like oh man I I was surprised at that too I have a favorite on the road I I mean I I didn't think it would be like 99% Arizona fans by any means but they travel so well and clearly were out traveled by Indiana and I gotta say there's kind of based on that theory um if you're in december and you're in omaha nebraska i feel like a trip to vegas sounds like a really nice thing similar (laughs) to uh bloomington indiana to vegas as opposed to tucson or tempe especially when they're i think playing the pac-12 tournament there this this march so um 
I mean, maybe there's a huge Arizona State contingent in the desert where you are. I guess there's multiple deserts on that side of this country. Um, but I just feel like there's not a lot of crowd support for Arizona State. They have a ridiculous curtain of distraction at home games. And I think that really kind of when they show the crowd, you can see how empty it usually is. Uh, and especially for considering they weren't very good last year, I feel like not a lot of people were probably uh, setting up themselves for this trip. Uh, you might be entirely right, and like I said, that's just the last the last bit of the handicap. Like sure. it, it's this is way more about what I've seen on the court, but I can't imagine Creighton has a massive uh, following outside of the state of Nebraska. First of all, but then to make it down here, it just again maybe I'm wrong. It just feels like it it would be it's we're within driving distance of a lot more Arizona State fans than we are of Creighton of fans. Well, so sure. let me, so I, I realized that, um, oh my God, of course, there we go. Just everything's going right today. Um, so as for the actual game and we'll see what happens, my guess is there actually will probably be more Creighton fans in that building than there will be. Um, uh, but we'll see, um, in terms of the handicap, um, Arizona state has completely surprised this year, but I don't really know what to make of them. Um, cause it doesn't really seem like the roster has changed that much. Ultimately, as you mentioned, the Bagley stuff is weird. Um, there is a lot of addition by subtraction in college sports I've found, but I can't really put my finger on that one. Um, Creighton had really tough schedule, as you said, of those two losses to Arizona and Texas, two of the best teams in the country, but that Nebraska loss is really questionable. And unfortunately we're in a, a college basketball season where injury reports are an absolute joke. You basically wait until you see a starting five, like five minutes before the game on Twitter, and then you might be able to see who's in and who's out. And I think when you saw Kalkbrenner not being on the list, um, that was a pretty big concern. Uh, I won't mention his his uh, nickname. I, I heard that actually when I was in Vegas last year. It's big and something with a, the first part of his name. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, I just like from where I said I, I was looking at that number. I was like, damn, Creighton's really cheap here. Uh, and I was looking into it, and then we were chatting about trying to schedule this timing. And I think Colbert uh, is probably the biggest, uh, obviously tallest, but also biggest person to miss in that on that entire team. I think. Um, and so I don't, I don't feel comfortable doing anything with them, uh, until I know his status as well. All right, let's move on to the next game and a team we talked about last week coming off, maybe the best win anybody's had this season. And we'll talk about the Alabama Crimson Tide hosting Memphis. Memphis has won six straight and they got a big win this weekend against Auburn, but the loss at SLU is not aging particularly well, which at the time I didn't think was a big deal because I believed St. Louis was going to be really good. And that's one of the only two road games they've played this year. Alabama's coming off one of the best wins any team has all season, like I said, beating Houston in their house and basically doing it in the way that Houston beats other teams. They punked out the Cougars on the glass. Uh, and I, I think scoring is going to be tough for Memphis. Bama forces you to beat them from the outside. I don't think Memphis is capable of doing it. I know you're not a Nate Oates guy, Griffin, but <laughs> the coaching edge in this game is glaring uh, for for the tide here. It, it's got to be Alabama or a pass for me. What do you think? Um. So I watched both these games this weekend. I uh, was really impressed with Memphis um, basically playing a – free-for-all uh, AAU-type game with Auburn, which I guess is exactly how both those teams want to play. And Memphis has a little bit more, I think, on their talent list than I think a lot of people would have expected. The addition of Kendrick Davis has been so huge because they actually have someone to score the basketball and shoot from the perimeter. They still don't like to do it, 
Um, and I, I don't really see Nate Oates as like a, I mean, he's going to want to deny three point shots because that's basically his offense is threes and, and layups. So I imagine the other side, he's trying to restrict the three point attempts and that's kind of going to fit what Memphis want to do anyway. Um, I think I was also pretty bullish on Memphis after hearing that they wouldn't get any uh, NCAA violations or banned from this tournament and pick them as one of my long shots for our futures podcast. So uh, I'm pretty bullish on them still uh that st louis loss as you said was not great also that ridiculous collapse uh against seton hall was tough for both your and my wallets but um i I like pretty good setup i mean considering alabama just came off beating the number one team on the road have to come back and then play a couple days later probably reading all their press clippings and football teams not playing so they're number one on, on the list of everything right now um i don't i just don't know that i trust memphis enough going on the road with such in, in disinterest in shooting threes and a 32.8 percentage this season. I, I feel like that's enough to scare me away from right, right now, this number, I think you were projecting uh, five or six for this one, right? Yeah. Five, five. Yeah. So, I mean, I just, I lean to Memphis. Um, that five point range is really tough in this sport because fouling late can really blow that type of thing up. And you know what I say, like my numbers make it five. It may end up being closer to six or seven because of what Alabama just did. Like you, you, like they beat Houston at Houston, Houston, who was considered like the big bad wolf. Yeah. They beat them by almost as, as double digit, as double digit dogs. I think there may be some extra tax on Alabama, but I'm still not looking to to take anything with Memphis in this game. Yeah, those big bad Cougs. Um, you know, I think from where I sit, as you get closer to that magic number of nine, which is almost nearly covers late fouling, um, as you get closer and closer, I feel like my interest in Memphis increases. All right. Well, we'll see which direction that goes, uh, or how I I think I know which direction it'll go. I guess we'll see how far it goes in that direction, is the real question here. All right, good one uh, at Maryland, UCLA at Maryland. And this was a tough week for Maryland. They got handled on the road against a so-so Wisconsin team. And then today, it looked like they were on their way to just getting trucked by Tennessee uh, up at Barclays in New York. They ended up coming back and making it a real tight game at the end. I don't know if that's more Tennessee or more Maryland, but I have to give them credit for it. But I also have to look at the first half where they – didn't even show up. I mean, Tennessee just manhandled them. And now they face a UCLA team that's kind of found a rhythm uh, after a poor showing out here in Vegas uh, before Thanksgiving. Of course, since then, they haven't really played anybody good. They're one and two away from Pauly. The win was at Stanford. The other two games, like I said, were on neutrals here. Maryland's going to be a tough place for them to go play. They've got a game with Kentucky on deck. And after getting pushed around by Wisconsin and Tennessee, UCLA can't be as physical with the Terps. I think we're getting to the part of the season where we really start to learn about UCLA. But until I know more about them, I'm I'm going to lean towards the Terrapins here at pick maybe minus one I could see. I mean, Maryland put a ton into the comeback today. They, I think, pressed for the entire second half pretty much. I don't know if with 18, 19, maybe 25 year old bodies, you never know with COVID extra years and six year transfers and all sorts of things. But um, I wonder what that's going to take out of them. UCLA is probably really pumped watching the ending of that game and seeing how much Mick Cronin is probably like giggling to himself on his private jet right now. Um, <laughs> but I, I think I've been a believer in UCLA. Those two losses to Illinois, which I don't think is going to age very well, but Baylor, I think will. 
um, tough on neutrals and, you know, those things will happen. I, I, the rest of the schedule, as you mentioned, hasn't really been that difficult. Um, really, that was the only two games that were outside of conference that were that were challenging. And even in conference, I don't know that we either you or, nor I believe a lot in Stanford nor Oregon. Um, so I think this is going to be a real test for them. Veteran team, and, and we saw them, I, I had them going a really long way in the NCAA tournament last year. And I felt like they, without Caleb Love, ridiculous three-point shooting, um, just bad shots, end of shot clock. If, if one of those didn't go in, maybe we're talking about UCLA as uh, the champion, defending champions or something like that. With that said, they're not exactly the same team that they were last year, and a lot will change um, from year to year. I think we, we need to see them perform uh, against better competition before you can trust them going into a really, really tough place to play because the Maryland crowd always delivers. All right. So sounds like we kind of agree there. It's home team or nothing in yep. that game. All right. Let's get to the last one. Uh, again, we, we we do four a week. I didn't want to change the format. Didn't want to just go with three. I, I did consider it. But instead, we'll get to look at some teams that we haven't looked at this season. Central Florida at Ole Miss. And I think Ole Miss probably be about five minus five here. Uh, Central Florida is a tough team to figure out. They They, they are one of the slowest teams in the country. They play a lot of tight, ugly games, but some of their results haven't aged as well as you would hope. Well, first the season opener, the loss against UNC Asheville looks even worse now than it did then, if that's possible. But since then they've gotten wins against Florida state, which again, at the time, second game of the season. Oh, nice win. You beat Florida state. Now it means nothing. Uh, they, they beat Oklahoma state, which that, that team is not looking good uh, lately. And then Santa Clara, even they feel less impressive. And this is going to be their very first road game of the season. Uh, but unfortunately, I don't have a whole lot of nice things to say about Ole Miss either. They don't have a signature win. They, the only two top 40 teams in Ken Palm that they've played this year beat them. And Oklahoma and Memphis, those two teams, I think, are very flawed. I lean toward UCF here if they're getting outside of a possession just because they make games ugly. They'll have to limit turnovers, which is probably one of the biggest problems for them. But until I see Ole Miss beat someone, you know, remotely good, I'm not giving any points with them. So again, this is going to be dog or pass for me. What do you think? Um, you're talking to a proud member of the Kermit davis fan club uh might might be a kermit davis stand back from his his time at middle tennessee i swear to god i bet that team so often and it might have kept me out of debt for a long long time but um it hasn't really gone as smoothly at, at ole miss i mean a lot of people probably think he's a spy because he's a mississippi state grad but um from what I've seen with this team, they've lost games that we would expect them to, but they played Oklahoma really tight. And uh, I thought we're, I mean, hung around with Memphis, but ultimately I think the, the final score looks a little bit kinder than it probably should have. Um, and so this is a, a good question for them, but I think UCF goes on the road with a huge turnover rate and uh, Kermit loves his one, three, one zones, his traps and presses and, and little things like that. And I feel like that could really bother a team like UCF who will probably try to go after every offensive rebound that worked really well in that Florida state game as, as you brought up. But unfortunately I think it's actually going to hurt their strength of schedule uh, end of season, as opposed to being a huge boon to their NCAA tournament chances. I think at this point with Johnny Dawkins, we kind of know who he is. He's a solid coach 
and he gets a lot out of his players. I just don't know on the road in Oxford, if this is a time, not that it's a huge crowd supported venue, but the crowd is not so bad for an sec school that cares more about football. Um, I think it's Ole Miss or nothing for me. Um, and they're probably going to be laying too many points for me to feel comfortable. All right, there you go. And before we get to best bets, got to tell you guys, it is bowl time. Free college football bowl bash contest is up at pregame.com. And it's simple. You go to pregame.com, click on contests, and you'll find the bowl bash contest. It's sides and totals, 20 pick minimum, 50 pick maximum. The best win percentage wins. And first place is $500 cash, $500 pregame bulk dollars. Second place, $250 cash and $250 pregame bulk dollars. Third place, 250 bulk dollars. Fourth, 200 bulk dollars. And fifth through 10th, 100 each. And it costs zero to enter. That is an infinite ROI is what it is. All you, like It costs nothing to enter, and you can win money, real American money. Uh, guys, go to pregame.com, click on contest, and find the bowl bash contest free to enter. So get in today. And if you haven't signed up at pregame.com, it's so simple to do it. Free $25 for signing up for all new users. You don't need to put in a credit card, anything like that. You just show up, sign up, boom, 25 bucks, and you can join in on the fun, get in the forums, talk it up with some other pre-gamers, whatever you want to do. Keep track of all your picks, how you're doing. Uh, you can do that all at pregame.com. All right, now to best bets. Shocker, we split another week. Uh, <laughs> another one and one for us. Um it feels like we're we're kind of stuck in that in that treadmill of of one and ones. I feel like we can get out of it. I like my pick this week. I'll let you take the lead though. Where are okay. you going first, Griffin? Sure. Let's uh let's get a two and oh. We did have a two and oh more recently than an O and two. So that's I'm, true. Uh, I'm gonna keep that in the mentals while, while I go through this this matchup. So I've been doing a little bit more uh stalking of the lower conference leagues, ESPN plus being able to like play everything that and like on a replay is awesome because they also remove a lot of commercials which is cool and i've been following along with oral roberts a lot this year uh, a, a darling in the ncaa tournament of two years ago if i remember correctly um and they've actually they still have max a smith there who has the most difficult to pronounce name based on spelling i think in the world <laughs> but um he's still there scoring a ton of points and they actually added connor vanover a big big seven foot three player transferred most recently from arkansas where he wasn't playing a lot but i think debuted at cal seven foot three can really control the the paint uh for some reason paul mills is still there former baylor assistant um figured he'd go take a bigger job. Um, but maybe he just decided that he's coaching Max A. Smith as long as he can, because he knows that can win him some tournament games or maybe the, the price wasn't just right just yet. Um, <laughs> but they're hosting Liberty who has been a really strong team, but have not performed very well this year. And I feel like they have kind of lost some of their continuity and they, and they, unfortunately I feel like they've lost some important players. They still have Darius McGee, who's really strong. Um, but I'm currently seeing Bart Torvik because this is minus two, you were saying minus three and a half. Or excuse me, is that line? Yeah, even, line's already out. Actually, there we go. Um, line is out. Okay, so I'm seeing minus four right now. Actually, on Oral Roberts, so I will get. I'll lay the four. I think Oral Roberts. They have such a good scoring offense, and I think Liberty's defense is not the same as it has been in the past years when they were really strong and making tournament runs. Um, and I just haven't really liked what I've seen from Liberty so far this year. So I'll take home court advantage. Oral Roberts coming off a couple games ago, a big rivalry win over Tulsa. Team's playing well, and I expect the crowd to be there in force for an Oral Roberts, uh, let's say, nine-point victory in the foul range late. All right. 
Uh, I don't hate that pick at all. I think again, Max Casemus is a a one man wrecking crew, uh, uh, and Liberty, you're right, has been good. It has not been good defending the three point line, and if you can't defend that against this Oral Roberts team, it can get ugly for you in a hurry. Uh, Liberty 269th defending three pointers this season. Uh, so that one I could see, I could see that one getting out of hand in a hurry. All right, for my best bet, I stayed in the small schools, and I'm really just fading a disaster team here in Lamar. Uh, Southern Miss minus thirteen. I'll play it to fifteen. I, I, I don't know exactly what this number is going to come out. There's going to be, whenever it comes out at, there's going to be movement on Southern Miss when it comes. This is a simple fade of Lamar, who is three fifty six in Ken Palm. But I defy you to go find seven teams worse in the country than them. They have four wins. Three are against non-D1 teams. And the other is against Lindenwood, who is playing their first year in D1. And in a weird scheduling quirk, Southern Miss and Lamar played a basketball game against each other on Saturday in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. Southern Miss won that game 95-59, to which sounds bad, but it was worse than that. It was 94 to 48 with just under five minutes left. So basically Southern Miss walk-ons let Lamar cut the lead by 10 points. Southern Miss had 21 steals in this game. Lamar's ball handlers were lost. They are tiny. Lamar's one of the smallest teams in the country. And they're one of the worst outside shooting teams in the country, which makes it really hard to run offense when you can't get inside and you can't shoot from outside. They've got three starters under six foot two, which is almost like it's like high school teams don't have three starters under six foot two. And and they've got no answers on the defensive end for Felipe Haas, who the six foot nine former South Carolina Gamecock, former Mercer transfer, been one of the most efficient offensive players in mid-majors so far this year. Southern Miss nine and one right now. Road wins against Vanderbilt, road win at Liberty. I think after smashing them over the weekend, their confidence is going to be high. I think the Golden Eagles smash them back to back. So Southern Miss, let's uh, let's call it a best bet at thirteen and play it up to fifteen uh, at Lamar. That is on Tuesday. You have any thoughts on playing a team that just played the, the, the same opponent right before? Um, I've kind of watched that in um, in other sports. I feel like, or even if you have like an end of season game and then you play one in, in a and in like a conference tournament, usually it's not the same exact result, but you can certainly learn and take things from what happened in that result. And I think apply that. Um, and in such a quick turnaround, I feel like it's going to be really hard for a, uh, as you mentioned, a pretty tough Lamar roster to all of a sudden remember how to hold on to the ball. I don't think that's something you fix um, just by a little bit more attention to detail or a little bit more time in the film room. So, um, and I certainly don't blame you for for backing Southern Miss because they've kind of been on my radar as a team that I've been wanting to look into a little more because I don't know that they've ever really been talented, uh, but they have got those wins that you mentioned and they've kind of started to look like they're getting a lot more strength uh, in the lines that the, that I've been tracking from uh, the marketplace of betting them up. So uh, don't blame you at all for, for buying potentially lower than most on them, but I feel like they're going to keep growing and growing and, and big wins will help with that confidence. And by the way, our, uh, my best bet last week, which was uh, or on the last pod, was Kent State against Cleveland State. And it opened at seven, which is what we gave it out as. Went to eight and a half. 
They won by nine. So everybody Ooh. won. There were people uh, complaining on Twitter that seven wasn't available, which it was uh, on, you know, the night before the game. I, I don't, again, when you play these, especially the games that aren't as, uh, if when it's not Duke versus Kentucky, you're going to see massive movement on these lines. All it, it doesn't take very much money to see those lines move quickly. So don't be surprised. And this is going to be another example. And honestly, Griffin's pick is going to be another example of that games will move quickly uh, at these, you know, at these limits uh, the night before the game. So, all right, that is going to do it. That will wrap us up for another edition of RJ Bell's dream preview college basketball edition. We will be back our normal time on Thursday, hopefully celebrating a two and O. That's what I'm looking for. Let's do it. Uh, and hopefully you guys celebrating some winners as well. Enjoy the limited basketball this weekend. And, you know, maybe, I don't know, spend some time with your family. What? Like when 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 Central Florida and Ole Miss is on, maybe spend some time with your family. Like, it's, it's that's the time, okay? That's the time. Uh, and, again, bowl season right around the corner. Go to pregame.com. Get signed up for that contest as well. For Griffin Warner, I'm AJ Hoffman. Thank you guys for listening. We will talk to you on Thursday.